Very good morning to you. It's great to see you all here this morning, especially in half time. Uh, my name is Neil. I'm married to the wonderful Kate. It's great to see you all. If you're new or visiting, you're very, very welcome. How, how are you feeling today? Yeah, Kate gave, Kate was gave, spoiler, like, she never says what I'm talking about, and then this morning she's like, Neil's going to talk about this, and everyone's like, oh, great, I'm going to leave. Um, no, there is, uh, yeah, how are you feeling? Yeah, that's good to hear. They used to say that a week was a long time in politics, but uh, given the events of the past few days, clearly things can dramatically change in hours, if not in minutes. We, uh, we were away last week on the very remote, but clearly not remote enough, Isle of Skye. And Kate has these uh, breaking news alerts. And every 30 seconds, there were breaking news, ping, breaking news, ping. And it, it wasn't just breaking news, something random, you know, minimals happened. It was breaking news. Someone's resigned or something dramatic has happened. One of the words we've all got used to hearing in news bulletins over the past couple of years is unprecedented. <laughs> uh, and it sort of feels, maybe it's just me, it feels like it's lost its impact uh, as everything that we have been experiencing is clearly unprecedented all the time. In the last two and a half years, we've lived through an unprecedented and devastating global pandemic, which has had a huge impact on us all. And we thought, that's enough. That'll do. That's like living through that and the trauma of that. That's sufficient. However, no. In February of this year, we saw the outbreak of the war in the Ukraine and the significant global impact that that has wreaked. We've seen a cost of living crisis developing with households hit by skyrocketing bills. Inflation surged to 10.1% last month is expected to rise further. Food costs jumped 14.6% in the year to September, the biggest rise since 1980, with prices again set to rise further. Interest rates are now at their highest rate for 14 years, and although there seems to be some speculation as to whether they'll level off around 5% uh, following the recent mini-budget, you know, the markets have been in chaos. They've been in freefall, and the situation remains very uh, much uncertain. And then, of course, there's the political climate. Former Prime Minister Boris Johnson left office in early September, having lost the support of MPs, replaced by Liz Truss, uh, who lasted a mere 45 or 46, I think is the most generous kind of way of describing it, days in office. The shortest serving Prime Minister in history, recently likened to a lettuce leaf. Uh, and in the midst of it all, the nation has grieved as we've mourned the death of our queen, the longest reigning queen in world history. And if unprecedented is a word we've all become too familiar with, another is uncertainty. And uh, as candidates for the Tory party leadership, they vie for the Tory party leadership and fly back from their Caribbean holidays and we wait for bated breath to see whether Rishi Sunak or Penny Mordaunt or maybe another, maybe the return of our very own hasta la vista baby Boris. <laughs> you couldn't make it up. Uh, so, to go back to the question of how you're feeling today, 
now you're feeling much worse than you were when you arrived. Like I was feeling fine until you started talking. Now, there'll be a range of answers to the question of how you're feeling, but I suspect a number of us, for a number of us, it might, an answer might include a word similar to along the lines of worried, troubled, a bit stressed, a bit anxious. Uh, and if you, if you feel like that, you certainly wouldn't be alone. Cultural commentator and pastor Mark Sayers recently wrote, if there is one word that captures the emotional mood of our day, it's anxiety. And I think it's a pretty fair assessment of the times in which we find ourselves. And even if you're someone who wouldn't necessarily consider yourself an anxious person, you know, we all know that the stresses and strains of life um, can come in different ways or another. Life throws things at us which can very much easily cause us concern and we can find ourselves very easily worrying. We can find ourselves uh, becoming increasingly anxious, losing sleep, finding ourselves feeling stressed. And maybe you're in that place today. Maybe the events of this past week with sackings of chancellors and resignations of home secretaries and prime ministers and news of uh, caps and energy caps, uh, bill caps being lifted have kind of pushed you somewhat to the brink and the relentlessness of the breaking news is pushing you uh, on the, to the edge. Uh, maybe it's got nothing to do with those kind of situations. Maybe there's something going on in your life that's making you anxious. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it is you're worried about the cost of living crisis. You're worried about your energy bills. You're worried about your weekly food shop. You're worried about interest rates and mortgages. And you're wondering how you're going to make ends meet. Uh, maybe it's something different. Maybe you've got uncertainty around your health. It could be a, a, any number of things. Uh, maybe you're here this morning and there's nothing notice, noticeably anxiety-producing going on in your life today, but you, whether you're not feeling anxious at the moment, you can still relate. We can all relate to what it feels like to be anxious, um, about the, the impact of those things that come into our lives that threaten uh, our peace of mind. It's just a fact of life that anxiety-producing situations and experiences are just a part of living in a fallen world. And while anxiety does seem to be a defining feature of our age, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said this to his disciples. This is John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. It's not uh, exactly the most uplifting sentence, is it? You know, I try as I might, I've never found a fridge magnet with just those words of Christ on it. In this world, you will have trouble. Full stop. But the good news is, in the very next sentence, Jesus says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart. Jesus is bigger than whatever troubles that may come our way. And there is in Jesus a peace that can carry us through the most difficult circumstances of life that we may face. Now, when we think about anxiety-producing situations in the Bible, there's plenty of them to choose from, but I'm drawn to the Apostle Paul this morning. 
Uh, Paul, as you'll know, is called by God to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to the nations beyond the Jewish people, to the Gentiles. Uh, the book of Acts uh, and some of his letters recount some of the terrible things that he had to deal with. I mean, he was imprisoned, he was flogged almost to death, he was beaten with rods, he was pelted with stones, and they thought, uh, until they thought he was dead. Uh, and then, you know, thinking back at that time, traveling in that period to share the gospel uh, was no easy thing. It was no picnic. Not only was uh, he shipwrecked three times, he was left without food and water. He lists in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 26, some of his experiences. He says this, he says, I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled, have gone often without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. You're like, sounds great, sign me up. Life of apostle, yes, please. Uh, in short, Paul has faced some pretty challenging situations. And so his life, if you compare it to mine, and possibly to some of yours, it was difficult to say the least. And so we might reasonably conclude that, or expect that Paul would have been an anxious person, fearful or worried, anxious, stressed, just because he knew from first-hand experience, some of the things that he was going to have to be facing. And yet, from the scriptures, despite the most challenging circumstances, in the face of all the incredible difficulty that he went through, Paul was not an anxious person at all. Somehow, anxiety didn't have a hold on him in the way that it grips so many of us today. Paul was arrested. He was taken to Rome, he awaited a decision as to whether he was going to get executed or not, which he uh, ultimately was. And one of the lessons that he wrote from prison, uh, one of the letters that he wrote from uh, prison was to the church in Philippi. And we're going to take a look at that this morning. Uh, now, the church in Philippi, this is a church that Paul had uh, a particular affection for, and it had faced its own kind of troubles and persecutions of its own. And Paul is writing this letter to the church there. It's written from prison, uh, and Paul is, is potentially facing death, and he's been schlepping around for 20 years as a missionary, facing all those shipwrecks and beatings and all those kind of things. And yet Philippians is this letter that is over, is brimming over with joy. It's really bizarre. It's sort of counterintuitive. And I really would encourage you to read it, particularly in the kind of climate in which we find ourselves at the moment, especially in times like these. Read it through. It's a really, really short letter. Read it in one sitting. It doesn't take very long, and it's an absolutely beautiful letter to read. And it's incredibly uplifting. Paul mentions as you look through the letter, he, he, he talks about trouble kind of being stirred up for him. That's a, there's a struggle that he's facing in chapter 1. And then he mentions a, a, an anxiety-producing situation in chapter 2. He talks about his tears in chapter 3. Uh, so evidently, things are pretty tough for him. Remember, he's in a prison cell as he's writing this thing. He's in chains. But let's have a look at what he says in chapter 4. Some very familiar verses I just want to go through uh, this morning. This is what it says in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Perhaps one of the main things that would stop us from living a life full of rejoicing is, would be our anxiety about the things that we're going through. Our anxiety acts as like a cutoff. It, it kind of blocks the possibility of any kind of sense of joy or rejoicing. And, and Paul kind of goes on to address that in the next verse. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. It's not kind of like, oh, have you tried not being anxious? It's like, do not be anxious about anything. It's pretty imperative. And he doesn't say, you know, that don't be anxious about like, you know, the small things. Just kind of save your anxiety for like the really important stuff that kind of is going to come your way. He says, don't be anxious about anything. I'm like, okay. The International Standard Version translates this as, never worry about anything. And, you know, now, of course, as we, as we try and think about not being, we, we, do need to, we do need to think about situations, okay? So we do need to engage with the things that we're facing, the things that are causing us concern. We don't want to get into denial. We don't just want to shove everything down. That's not what Paul's saying here. Thinking about the things that concern us is not the same, necessarily, as worrying about them, being anxious about them. What Paul's talking about here is that kind of worry, that kind of anxiety that can so easily creep up and take over. And it doesn't help us in any way, actually, at all. It doesn't create any kind of traction. Um, it doesn't help us with what we're facing. In fact, more, than, more often than not, what it does is it paralyzes us. We become like deer in headlights. We're just like frozen. The anxiety and worry that Paul is describing is that which doesn't achieve anything beyond simply robbing us of our peace. You know, as you're kind of just responding to all of the stuff that's going on, I just found my peace just dissipating and evaporating. I was like, I don't feel peaceful. I do feel troubled. I do feel anxious. And we might be kind of tempted to dismiss Paul's exhortations here as the idealistic writings of a saint. You know, it's Paul after all. But, you know, it is Paul after all. Let's think about who it is that we're talking about. Of all the biblical writers, Paul is probably one of the most qualified to write such a thing and comment on anxiety. If anyone had a right to feel anxious, it would have been him. And he's choosing not to do that. Someone who's been through so many situations, which make many of our situations really seem quite insignificant in comparison. You know, and whose current situation, as he's writing this letter, it's an incredibly difficult situation he finds himself in. You know, it's, it's Paul saying this. He's been through all that he's been through. He's faced all that he's faced. And it's him who's telling us to never worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. And so we're like, okay, well, you've got my attention. It sounds nice. Yeah, I'd, li I'd quite like that. I'd quite like to never be anxious about anything. Don't worry. Don't be anxious ever. 
Okay, about anything, ever. Okay, fine, right, great. How? Like, how is this even possible? Is this even vaguely achievable? How do we do that? How do we not worry about anything? How do we handle our anxiety? In this stressful and awful situation that I'm experiencing today, how on earth is it possible, really, to find freedom from anxiety and to step into this peace that Paul's talking about here? Well, Paul, his, his, his answer to that continues in verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In every situation, every situation, it doesn't matter what it is, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So Paul has told us what not to do. He's saying, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. And now he's telling us, this is what you are to do. Instead of doing that, try this. Do this instead. Present your requests to God. We're to talk to God about everything about anything that might cause us to feel anxious. Uh, Paul uh, doesn't shy away from the reality of trouble. He, he writes in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he, he's telling the church there that he and his colleagues have been under this incredible pressure. It was way beyond their ability to endure so that they despaired of life it, itself, is what they say. He says, we despaired of life itself. But he also says, he goes on in verse 9, he says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but that we might rely on God. When we're tempted to bottle up what's going on with us and try and get through it on our own, or sometimes just share it with friends who can empathize with us, but sometimes just to a great extent leave God out of the picture, you know, with just a kind of a token prayer we'll tag on at the end. Paul says, don't do that. Don't bottle it up. Don't keep it away from God. He's saying in every situation, include the Lord. Include God in what's happening through prayer and through petition. And prayer is talking to God. Prayer is listening to God. And petition means asking him for help. Present your requests to God. And you notice that it comes with something. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. With thanksgiving. You know, one of the things we've all learned, particularly, especially through the pandemic, was this thing about gratitude. We learned a lot about gratitude and thanksgiving. And, and it, this may be a good time to remind ourselves of the practice of gratitude and the practice of thanksgiving. Many of us kind of developed it, honed it over lockdown. Maybe we need to... Revisit, revisit that. But why has Paul added in that little word, word thanksgiving? And I think it's because, as many of us know, as we practiced and learned about gratitude and thanksgiving, as we express our gratitude to God in our prayers, you know, for prayers that he's maybe answered in the past, as we express our thanks to God for all the very many things in life that are actually going well. You know, sometimes as the news bulletins keep on banging on away at us, we can lose sight of, actually, we have many, many things to, have, uh, to be thankful for. And as we 
approach this with thanksgiving, it realigns our perspective. It just puts our light and momentary troubles into some kind of perspective. But it's sometimes, I certainly find this, when we're going through the hardest times, that it feels hardest to pray. This is when I'm struggling, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling like I've lost faith in things. That's the hardest time for me to pray. But I came across this thing from Pete Gregg, who is founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, which I thought might be helpful. It's certainly helpful for me. Three things to remember with prayer. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Uh, keep it simple. We don't have to use particularly spiritual language. You may be new to faith. You may be new to prayer. It may be a long time since you've prayed. But one of the key things is you don't, it just doesn't have to be fancy. You know, Wimber's favorite prayer was, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. You know, and sometimes that's all we've got. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And, you know, God, please help me. That's okay. That's enough. Keep it simple. Use your own vernacular. Secondly, keep it real. Uh, we don't want to hide how we're feeling from God. That's kind of a bit stupid, really. He kind of knows every thought beyond it before it's in our mind and every word before it's on our lips. And so trying to hide from him how we're feeling uh, is not really very sensible. You don't need to be on your best behavior with God. He can handle your emotions and your feelings and your anger and your wrath and your sadness and your frustration, all those kind of things. We can be absolutely real with him. And that we see that modeled so beautifully in the Psalms. Just read the Psalms and you see that demonstrated very, very clearly. We don't need to talk to God in a certain way. We can just be absolutely real and unedited with him. And then thirdly, keep it up. Paul says, pray as often as you can. Pray in every situation. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. We're exhorted to take our troubles to him. We can just blurt it all out, say it like it is, cry in his arms. We can ask him for anything that we need, and when we've done that, we leave all of that burden with him. See, we're all carrying these various loads. We're just weighed down, and the media and the culture would kind of enjoy burdening us and weighing us down with more stuff. We're all heavily laden with stuff that we don't want to carry. The cross. Jesus came. He lived. He died on the cross to take those burdens. He died so that we don't have to carry that stuff. Because as long as we're carrying around this stuff, we're going to have no peace. Prayer in this situation is talking to God, whereby prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we leave it with him and let him carry our burden. We leave our concerns. We leave the things that are weighing us down. We leave the things causing us anxiety with God. In the Apostle Paul's, uh, Peter's first letter, he writes, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's what we're to do. We're to give it all to him. All of it. All of our worries, all of our concerns, all of the things that are consuming us and eating us. Uh, he wants to take all of it off us 
because he cares for us, because he loves us, because he died for us. He died that we might have freedom, and that is freedom from anxiety and worry. So in every situation, present your request to God. And then um, Paul continues in verse 7 that the result will be this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. And so we go to him with our anxiety-producing situations. We cast every care and every worry on him. And he gives us something in exchange. His goodness and his kindness and his grace is so abundant that he swaps out our anxiety and gives us something instead of it. And what he gives us is his peace. A peace which Paul says transcends and surpasses all understanding. A peace which is beyond reasonable. A peace that is so peaceful, it's just beyond comprehension. It's hard to understand. It passes our understanding. We've seen it time and time again, brutally um, here in the church, with people in this church, who have faced a terrible uh, diagnosis even death, giving their worries and their anxieties to God in the most challenging of circumstances, people facing horrendous diseases, debilitating diseases, just horrendous for their loved ones and for us to watch them as they slowly die. And then watching them living and walking in this peace and this presence that is utterly unfathomable. In the midst of really dire and dark circumstances, time and time again, we have seen the peace of God shine through in the lives of these saints who are no longer in our midst, many of whom you will know, and we have seen the peace and the presence of God shine through their lives in those final weeks and months of their lives. And it's always incredibly humbling to see That is the gift of God awaiting us all. We don't have to wait until we've had a terminal diagnosis. It's available to each and every one of us right now in this moment and in every moment of our lives. And all we need to do is surrender our anxiety through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. And he will give us his peace. God's peace wants to come and guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And in doing so, keep anxiety at bay. When we take those things that are causing us concern to God, we can entrust them to his care and we can be at peace because we know that God is in control and nothing is therefore out of control. Everything can feel like it's out of control, but ultimately we know that it is in control. He loves you and me completely. He is completely good and so we can have confidence that we can rest in his care. We can rest in the sovereignty of God. Things in our lives may be, and in the world may be challenging and difficult, but the reality is, the truth is, God is ultimately in control. And sometimes and very often we don't understand how that can possibly be working out in practice, but we trust and we rely on the fact that he is ultimately in control. The Puritans many years ago used to say that the sovereignty of God is a soft pillow for anxious heads. The sovereignty of God is a soft pillow for anxious heads, and it's true. Knowing that we are cared for by the one who is 
in charge of the universe is incredibly comforting. So Paul says the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. But then in the next verse, Paul goes on and he's effectively saying, also guard your own hearts and minds. He says in verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. That doesn't sound like it describes the average news bulletin at the moment. When we, what we spend our lives and our time thinking about and filling our lives with, this has a, a marked impact on our peace of mind. In what we might read, in what we might watch on TV or on Netflix or whatever, what we're viewing on social media, um, if they're in line with Paul's list there, we will find ourselves much more peaceful than if we fill ourselves with the opposite, with other things that are untrue and worthless and wrong and impure, whatever. And then uh, Paul summarizes this with verse 9. He says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So what he's saying is the things that I've taught you and also whatever you've seen in me, put those things into practice, do those things, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul says elsewhere, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And here Paul's saying, like, look at me. You know the troubles I'm going through. I'm imprisoned here in Rome. I'm potentially awaiting execution. But as you read my letter, uh, are you picking up any vibes of anxiety? And the truth is, no, actually, bizarrely, like you're in prison, Paul, and you're about to get executed. But this kind of pretty perky, cheerful, joyful letter, like, hmm, how do you manage that? You know, it doesn't mean, of course, that we're, you know, if we read and we listen and think about all the right stuff, that we're going to be protected from difficulties. Remember, Jesus warned us that in this life, you will have trouble. So that's a kind of given, right? So the fact that, you know, our lives are going to be difficult is, is what we should be expecting. The question is how we're going to respond to the difficulties that we're going to be facing. When we invest in the things of God, when we guard our hearts, we are so much more equipped to cope with the difficulties that life is inevitably going to throw at us. In verse 7, Paul says, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. And then in verse 9, he says, the God of peace will be with you. The nearness of the God of peace and the peace of God are interrelated. As we put into practice what Paul is saying here, we become closer to the God of peace. As we fill our minds with the things that Paul lists, we move closer, we come closer to the God of peace. And as we come closer to the God of peace, the peace of God comes close to us. For some of us today, this may be just what we needed to hear. I, I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, for other of us, um, we're not going through any kind of particularly anxiety-inducing situation at the moment, but it's just worth remembering. It's like making a note of and filing it away. At some point in the future, we may find ourselves getting worried or getting anxious. You know, as we find ourselves facing difficult situations and difficult circumstances and feeling anxiety starting to well up, that's the time to nip it in the bud and let us learn the discipline 
as disciples, as followers of Jesus, to bring it all to God, bring it all up and out to God, and leave it with him at the foot of the cross. And then let us guard our own hearts. Let us fill our hearts with life-giving stuff, which brings us closer to the God of peace in whom we find this amazing experience and encounter of the peace of God, which transcends all understanding.